Welcome, friend. Follow me. We're going somewhere dark, somewhere dangerous. Most people would never dare enter the place we are going. There's no telling what horrors we'll find, what terrors we'll uncover. Don't say I didn't warn you. We might discover terrible monsters lurking there. Be careful, they could follow you out. Or maybe they're already inside you. Are you afraid? Good. Now you are ready to enter the Warning Woods. Do you know why solitary confinement is one of the worst punishments a person can receive? We weren't meant to be alone. I don't care how much you love to isolate yourself when you're free. When you don't have a choice, isolation is torture. I don't even like anyone else in the prison. I have no friends. Yet I find myself missing the comforting sounds of other voices. Even though I'm locked up with some really dangerous people, I feel more at peace knowing they're nearby. In solitary, I didn't know what was making the noises. Since everything around here happens on a rigid schedule, I knew exactly when to expect the guards' footsteps coming down the hall. They didn't talk to me, no matter what I said. There was no window in my cell. The guards slid my food through a slot in the door so I didn't even see them. It was the other times, the times there shouldn't have been anyone out there, that the sounds of boots in the hall terrified me. The heavy footfalls always started at the furthest end of the hall. They had an uneven tempo, like a song with a heavy swing. Ba-bump, ba-bump. I'm pretty sure what made the sounds had a limp. The footsteps got louder as they approached my door, much louder than the guard's footsteps. And here's the eeriest part. They didn't echo. Every other sound in solitary echoes through the empty concrete hall. It's like a cavern. The footsteps always stopped at my door. There were other cells along the corridor, but mine was the only one occupied at the time. Whatever was out there seemed to know that. After a brief pause, it would continue down the hall. When it reached the opposite end of the hall, the sounds would stop. It only ever moved in one direction, never returning. Want to guess what's at the end of that corridor? What's on the other side of the door there? I asked the guard who brought my lunch for something to write with one day. He or she didn't respond, but when my dinner came that night, a pocket-sized notebook and a ballpoint pen came with it. What I did next will probably sound insane to anyone who's ever been trapped alone for a long period of time. See, I knew the evening meal came at six every evening, so, knowing the time, I counted every second. One one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand, on and on until I heard the first footstep down the hall. By my count, it came at 7.12 p.m. That's right, I counted the seconds for over an hour. I recorded this time in my new notebook, I wrote about everything I've already mentioned. The limping, the singular direction of the footsteps, the missing echoes. The following day, I wrote this on a page. Who walks the halls at 7.12pm? 24713. That's my number. I tore the page out, folded it, and put it underneath the empty cup on my dirty breakfast tray. Since the guards were always cold to me, I didn't think they would bother to answer my question. 
The kitchen staff, however, had no opinion of me that I knew of. I thought they might indulge me if they knew anything. The rest of the day progressed as usual until what I now knew to be 7.12. The steps slowed as they always did in front of my door. They paused and I waited for the being to move on, but it didn't. It stayed there right outside my door. I worked up some courage and quietly crawled to the door. With my ear pressed against the door, I could hear a sound like ragged breath on the other side. I held my own breath as I prayed for whatever it was to go away. A cluster of sounds like bones snapping came through the door next. Now the labored breathing sounded closer. I think the door was the only thing between my ear and that thing's face. A small screech told me the meal slot had been pushed open. I tumbled away from the door, crawling as quickly as I could. I pressed myself into the furthest corner of the room and held my breath. The head of a thin black snake slithered through the slot. Now I jumped up onto my cot. Another snake's head appeared, then a third. They came forward, then pointed down to the floor. When they were facing down, I saw each one had a large scale that covered most of its head. I realized they weren't snakes after all. They were fingers. A shriveled black hand came through the meal slot. It got through up to the wrist. The hand stretched and reached, feeling around aimlessly. With the slot pushed open, I could hear the ragged breath much louder. Each exhale sounded like the winds of hell blowing death into my cell. It filled my small room with a rotten stench. The hand retracted itself as slowly as it entered. The meal slot dropped shut, and I finally heard footsteps again, following their normal path. I took a deep breath, gagging on the horrid smell that still lingered. It took me hours to fall asleep that night. I slept until the breakfast tray slid through the meal slot the next morning. I nearly screamed as the sound tore me from sleep. It made me wonder if I'd ever hear the slot's hinges squeal without thinking of that decayed hand reaching into my cell. When I raised the cup of water to drink, a scrap of paper fell from its base. It landed on the tray partially unfolded, and I saw something had been written inside. I traded my cup for the paper, carefully unfolding its damp corners. Someone had written a name and a year. Tom Goody, 1981. This was a response to my note the previous day, I was sure. And although vague and uninformative, I had my answer. The specter must be the ghost of Tom Goody, whoever that was. But what happened in 1981? It had to be the year he died, I thought. The year he walked that corridor for the last time, at least in his physical form. I never told you what was at the end of the hall. It's the execution chamber. I'm sure it looks quite different now than it did in 81, but it serves the same purpose. Ending the lives of the state's most violent and depraved persons. I'm sure many prisoners have eaten their last meal in my very cell. As I shredded the note with his name, I wondered if Tom Goody had been one of them. I paced my cell until lunch, then paced some more. As I paced, I prayed. I prayed the previous night had been a fluke. I hoped that, maybe, tonight he would just pass by as usual. 
The specter's new behavior left me dreading his return. I only had two days left in solitary, and for that I was grateful. I'm not sure I could have stood even one extra day anticipating his return. Tom Goody, if that's who's really out there. My anxiety got the best of me, and when a guard brought my dinner at six, I took a risk. Talking to the guards could potentially get me in trouble, but I had to try. As he slid the meal tray through, I asked, Who was Tom Goody? The slot closed, and I heard the guard turn back down the hall. But then he stopped. One of his boots squeaked when he turned back in my direction. You know you're not supposed to talk to me, right? He asked. I know, I said. So old Tom must have scared you good, huh? I didn't know what to say. Fortunately, he continued without prompting. Old Tom Goody. Now that's a story that gets around this place. Back in 81, they were still using the electric chair, frying folks, you know. Well, old Tom had thicker skin than most, I suppose. They hit the switch once and watched him wiggle. But when they turned it off, old Tom was still breathing. So, they hit it again. The guy rattled the whole chair he shook so hard. But guess what? The second shock didn't do him either. They say when the doc checked his vitals, old Tom grabbed his wrist. The executioner on that day still worked here till about three years ago, and he said, when Tom looked up at that dock, his eyes rolled all the way back in his head and were full of blood, so they looked red through and through. The dock ordered another hit. This time, when the executioner flipped the switch, old Tom went away for good. Sorta. What do you mean? I asked. Well, I'm guessing you already know what I mean, judging by us having this conversation, he said. They say during either the first or second shock, even though Tom weren't killed, his soul got separated from his body like it knew he was supposed to be dead. They say it got stuck here, where it remains to this day. I hesitated to ask my next question, not really wanting to know the answer. But finally, I asked, has he ever hurt anyone? The guard was quiet for a while, long enough to make me uncomfortable. When he spoke, his voice was hushed. His slow drawl had been replaced with urgent quickness. Solitary ain't for everybody. Some folks just don't make it, he said. I heard his boot squeak again. Wait, I shouted. What are you saying? People have died? We're not supposed to talk to prisoners, he called back as he walked away. An hour later, I was sweating and shivering with anticipation. I had been too nervous to count the seconds. Tom Goody could show up at any minute. I had propped my dinner tray against the door so it covered the meal slot. It wasn't much protection, but it was all I had. While waiting, huddled in the farthest corner from the door, I heard the first footstep, then another. My heart beat the fastest it ever has, getting faster with each step the ghost took toward my cell. Just like the previous night, he stopped at my door. Then, silence. The silence lingered, becoming more powerful with every passing second. With no way of telling time, I didn't know if it had sped up or slowed down. I felt trapped in a universe of just me and the specter outside my door, and he was in control of our destiny. Finally, the tense anticipation drove me to the brink of insanity. Simply to end the silence, I asked, Is that you, Tom? With a bang, the dinner tray flew across the cell, hitting the wall next to me. 
Where it had been, the shriveled hand now writhed, searching for something, anything within reach. Leave me alone, you're dead, I shouted. My voice only seemed to encourage Tom's ghost. He shoved his arm in further, now half of his forearm was inside. I realized his skin wasn't blackened with decay, it was charred. Flakes of burnt flesh fell onto my cell floor as he grasped for me and scraped his forearm against the slot. I picked up the dinner tray and held it out like a shield. His arm slipped through a little further. I took one step forward and slammed the tray down on his fingers. He retracted his hand and the slot closed. Then he slammed into the door. For the first time since I'd been incarcerated, I was thankful for the strength of the prison's doors. I'd seen enormous, brutish men pound on them, and they always held. Tom slammed twice more, then gave up. His footsteps faded towards the execution chamber. I didn't sleep after that and spent the entire morning in a feverish panic about the coming night. I wasn't sure if I'd be alive by the end of my final day in solitary. What did the guard say? Some folks just don't make it. Breakfast came, then lunch. Both times I begged the guards to let me out early. What difference would a few hours make, I asked them. But both times, I was ignored. At six, I heard the door down the hall open and footsteps coming my way. But rather than the single pair of boots I was accustomed to hearing, I heard multiple. I couldn't tell how many, but I knew more than one person was coming my way. And when I expected a tray to slide through the meal slot, the door opened instead. There were three guards standing in the corridor. One was holding a set of chains, which he held out to signal were for me. Come on, one guard said. I recognized his voice from the night before. You're eating in general pop tonight. In a daze, I stood and allowed myself to be chained. I followed the guards down the hall in stunned silence, not once looking back. Just before we reached the end of the hall, the guard who spoke before leaned toward my ear and whispered, You're welcome. I was shown mercy that night. Mercy from a fate I'd rather not imagine. I've been on my best behavior since. Whatever is said or done to me in here now, I don't fight back. Whatever it is can't possibly be worse than what might be done to me in solitary, where you're never truly alone. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. If you want more creepy content, including the images that accompany each story, follow me on Instagram at thewarningwoods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into the warning woods. Thank you for listening.